Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and the way that it reaches us and touches our hearts. We pray as we enter this this time of Easter that we wouldn't read anything, Jesus, without allowing it to, to reach us and penetrate our hearts and shape us and change us in one way or another. We pray for the courage, Lord, to receive your word again. Help us and shape us in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. And just a couple notes before we jump into the message. Um, of course, we've talked. Uh, our hearts are broken with, for the Boulder community. We're praying for them. We're in touch with our sister church up there and uh, such a, a horrible tragedy. And, um, and also, you've heard about Give Back the Blessing. We share in what God's doing around the world and we're sharing in what God's doing in Mongolia and, and here in our city with Crossfire Ministries, uh, with uh, Hunger Relief. And, uh, and then the third thing is that uh, next week is Easter. Have you, did you know that? And uh, so we're excited about this week that's coming, and I hope that you're making plans to worship and strength, and what I want to say is actually if you're at home, and we love that you're worshiping at home, you're, we're, that you're safe at home, and if you've been kind of wondering when is my step forward uh, into Christian community again, I just want to offer you the 7.30 service on Sunday morning because I want you to picture the right thing. What we've got coming on Sunday morning at 7.30 is we've got staging coming, we've got outdoor sound coming, we've got bleachers coming, we are looking to to blow this out. And the other thing that we've got coming is an excellent weather forecast. So we're excited about that because we can gather at 7.30 and give glory to Jesus Christ on the day of his, of his risen glory on Easter day, and we want to blow that place out. We've got room for you, so sign up and join us on Easter. Amen? Okay. Well, to give his life, what is truth? That's the title of our message today. What to do with Jesus of Nazareth. What are you going to do with this guy? What do you do with Jesus? That's the question. It's Palm Sunday. We read about Palm Sunday five weeks ago because we wanted to look more deeply at this whole week where Jesus is in Jerusalem. And so uh, we've had Palm Sunday. We're not reading a Palm Sunday passage today, but today's Palm Sunday on the, the church calendar. Last year, when we had Palm Sunday, we had nobody in the house. We had nobody in the house. Do you remember that? And so I told you back, back last year, I suggested to the kids at home that they reach into the house plants and rip off a branch, you know, and wave it around because we couldn't get palm branches around her. Well, this year, I'm not going to suggest, I'm not going to suggest that you reach in. I'm going to insist on it. Kids, you turn around, you go, you grab a branch, get into these house plants, tear them apart because we need to recognize that it's Palm Sunday, and you know, those of us, we don't care what happens to your house plants at home. Go get them, kids, right? <laughs> it's Palm Sunday, and we recognize Jesus riding into Jerusalem as king, as king. But we're not reading a Palm Sunday passage. We're reading this passage about Pontius Pilate and Jesus. He's been arrested. He's been thrown in front of the Roman governor, and, and they have this conversation, don't they, about, about kingdoms and truth and power. What do you do with Jesus of Nazareth? 
On Palm Sunday, the people expected a Messiah to come in and to, to brandish his sword and establish his kingdom by force. But what did Jesus do? He rode in humbly on a donkey. Well, in this passage, the same pattern repeats. The same pattern repeats. See, Pilate would know what to do with a king that was rushing at him with a sword. But Pilate is absolutely flummoxed trying to figure out what Jesus is doing. What do you do with Jesus of Nazareth? What would you do if you were in Pilate's shoes? But even more, what are you going to do with Jesus? To catch you up on all this, um, it's a dramatic story. You know, you can kind of picture it. You can see the, the calm posture of Jesus as a sort of drama unfolds and he's just kind of calm whether he's bound in chains or, or ropes or leather bands or whatever it is. But, and then you've got Pontius Pilate, you know, ushering him into his private quarters. Come on back here, let's talk. And, and you can imagine all these, you know, all the producers of all the Jesus films, they love this scene. You know what I'm talking about? There's so much drama, there's so much thickness in the air. You can imagine Pontius Pilate just stressed out, furrowed in the brow, thinking about what he's going to do with Jesus and, and staring out the window, you know, uh, with this quizzical look and his gentle raise of his eyebrows. The camera focuses in on his face and gets real tight. And the producer yells, more sweat, more sweat. They spray more sweat across his forehead, you know. This is the Oscar moment, and he, he finishes up with that great question, Right? What is, what? Truth. What is truth? I want to arrange our thoughts this morning around the three questions that Pilate asks Jesus. What do you do with Jesus? Pilate asks three questions. Number one, are you the king of the Jews? Number two, am I a Jew? And finally, number three, what is truth? What is truth? What are you going to do with Jesus? See, because you have to do something with Jesus. You do. Every one of us, in our time, in our context, it's, it's 2021, and you have to do something with Jesus. What are you going to do with Jesus? These three questions are part of the answer. So let me catch you up. Jesus, he had the Last Supper with his disciples, with his friends, and then he was arrested. He was arrested. He's been beaten. He's been questioned all night. He was dragged in front of a, a kind of a cockamamie false Sanhedrin council that met in the middle of the night. And the only reason that whole thing was arranged was just to implicate Jesus falsely for things that he had said to incriminate him and try to charge him with heresy, which they did. And then they dragged him out to the house of Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Roman-occupied Judea. Pontius Pilate wasn't always there, but he was there temporarily. Why? Because it was the time of the Passover festival and that the city swelled up at that time. There's a great population there. And so that would cause social unrest. It'd be a time where there's all kinds of upheaval. And so Roman governors, they frowned on that kind of thing. So Pontius Pilate is there as a show of force. And Pontius Pilate would not have been surprised that there was a backlog of questions for him because he was the one as the Roman governor who had to adjudicate all these cases, you know? And, and so when he arrives, he's always got this backlog of cases and he also wouldn't be surprised that people would be there at his door even at the break of dawn. 
So here they are. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? You see, that's the question he would ask time after time. Like, what's, what's the case? What's the case? Case number 436, you know, people versus. Okay, what charges are you bringing against this man? And what do they have? They don't have any, any Roman law that he's broken. And what he comes to find out is, well, what, the only thing that's wrong with this guy is some religious law that you've got. And I don't dip into your local religious laws, so you go figure it out. Get out of here. Next case, right? But what do they say? They say, well, we would. But we don't have the authority to execute. Okay. Now Pilate knows this is real. They want this man dead. And bring me another cup of coffee, right? Romans occupied a territory and, and then they retained to themselves the authority of life and death over every citizen that they, were, that they had power over. They had, they had the power of life and death. Now they could, they could kind of farm that out to local authorities. They could, they could defer that authority towards, confer that authority on the locals, you know. And sometimes you see they did that. The Roman authorities would allow local authorities to have... Uh, capital punishment. They could execute people. But right now, the Jewish leaders, they don't have that. For whatever reason, Rome has taken that from them. They're not allowed to kill someone for a crime. But you know what? There's more to this. See, if they executed Jesus, it would be by stoning. But a Roman execution is not stoning. A Roman execution is what? Crucifixion, that's right. They want Jesus to die the most horrific death. You know, a Roman citizen, if they got in trouble, if they were headed for execution, a Roman citizen could request to be beheaded. One of the benefits of citizenship, right? <laughs> but everybody else, they would face the most horrific, most painful, most shameful death, death on a cross. But see, there's more to this, to this still. It isn't just a painful death that these authorities are looking for for Jesus. What they actually want is the curse of being hung on a cross. Deuteronomy 21:23 says, anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. It's under God's curse. What they want is not for Jesus to be dead, what they want is for Jesus to be damned. If they can just get him on a cross, if they can just get him up on a pole, well, then everything that he said is gonna be evacuated of authority. Every, all of his claims to messiahship are gonna be just flushed down the toilet. And anything that, that people are listening to him, they're not gonna listen to him anymore. They're not gonna believe his teaching anymore. And they're gonna return to us and to our authority and power. They think, if only we can get him on a cross. Don't just kill the man, see. Kill the message. Verse 32, this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. What do you do with Jesus of Nazareth? You make him die as a curse. And now we get to Pilate. 
Pontius Pilate, rubbing the sleep out of his eyes, right? Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked them. Here's our first question. You want to say it with me? Are you the king of the Jews? Who are you, Jesus? Maybe Pilate had heard some things. Maybe some people had said some things to him. Maybe he just knew, you know, as a Roman governor in occupied territory that the people wouldn't be this upset unless this really was somebody. This is really a person that I had to deal with. Maybe he actually saw some glint of royalty in Jesus' eye, but he knew there was enough here. I need to know, who am I dealing with exactly? Are you the king of the Jews? Roman governors dealt with local rulers all the time. You know, the conquered peoples, they had their own traditions. They had their own local religion. They had their own royal families. They had uh, the people, the rulers that they looked up to. And and Rome let that all happen. I mean, you had to. And so they would just let that happen. But the important thing was that if you've got like your little, you know, king in quotation marks, like you've got your little local king, that's fine. You can have your little king. As long as your king understands where the real power is. The real power is with Rome. The real power is with Caesar. And compared to my Caesar, your king is a joke. So are you the king of the Jews, Pilate asks. And within Pilate's question is a little commentary, isn't it? Because if if you're the king of the Jews, you're not doing too great, right? Your own people have dragged you in here. Are you the king of the Jews? Are these your people? They don't like you. In fact, they hate you. You know, there's no hate like like Jesus hate. There's no hate like the way we hate Jesus. What do I mean? It was about 20 years ago, um, a novelist named Anne Rice, anybody heard of Anne Rice? She used to write a lot about vampires and stuff. And she wanted to write a book about Jesus. And she actually came to faith in Christ through writing this book. But as she opened up the research about Jesus, she was floored with what she found. Why? Well, she opened up research, and and as she she opened up volume after volume, what she found that there were these people had devoted their lives, their academic lives, to absolutely destroying everything that Jesus said, to absolutely taking apart everything that Jesus taught, to absolutely tearing apart the historical record about Jesus and finding any little way to tear it to pieces and leave it behind scattered on the floor. And she just thought to herself, coming to this cold, like, I don't understand this. I mean, people who go to study somebody, they go to study them because they're interested in them, Right? And you don't see this in other areas. A Plato scholar doesn't tear Plato to shreds. A Shakespeare scholar doesn't tear Shakespeare to shreds. Even a a, a historian of, of someone like Napoleon or something, they don't tear Napoleon apart the way that she was reading these Jesus scholars tearing Jesus apart. Why? Well, it's because if Plato said something true, fine, it's interesting. If Shakespeare said something that rings true, fine. It's interesting. But if what Jesus claims is true, you have to change your life. And people don't like that. Pontius Pilate says, who are you exactly? Are you the king of the Jews? If you are, I know exactly what to do with you. 
Verse 34, Jesus responds, is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? He's digging into Pontius' heart, isn't he? And now we get the second question. Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests have handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Here's the second question. Number two, am I a Jew? Now, when Pilate asks this, what's he asking? I mean, he's asking, he's just kind of being, <laughs> he's being a jerk, right? It's a snide question. It's a dismissive question and not a little bit racist of a question. Like, Do you think I'm one of your people? Do you think I'm a part of your people? Your own people? Those people who threw you in here, those people that we've occupied, that we rule over. Pontius Pilate is used to dealing with local rulers, so-called kings who think a lot of themselves, but he knows where the real power lies. It lies with Rome, with Rome, the Roman Empire that has taken over the whole world by violence and has forced king after king to bend the knee and kiss the signet ring of the single greatest force of violence that the world had ever known up to that point, Caesar Augustus. And, and, and here's Jesus. You think I'm one of your people? Now, Jesus says his kingdom is different from that. It's not of this world, whatever that means. But Pilate only thinks in terms of kingdom versus kingdom, power versus power. And he knows my kingdom is a lot bigger and more powerful than your kingdom, Jesus. That's what Pilate means when he asks, am I a Jew? but there's something deeper going on there, okay? There's something deeper. There's another level. Pilate asks, am I part of your people? Do I, do I in some way belong to you? That's the question that Jesus starts to answer. Verse 37 you are a king then, says Pilate. You say, you've got a kingdom. Jesus answered, you say I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the what? The truth, the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Jesus pivots off the kingdom into what? Into truth. And what is truth? Truth is bigger than kingdoms. Truth is bigger bigger than, than some power-grabbing Roman governor. Truth is bigger than the Roman Empire. It's bigger than nations. It's bigger than all empires. I mean, truth is reality. Truth is the way it is in the world. It's, it's, it's what this life is and what it means and where I've come from and where I'm going. I mean, truth is everything, and truth is over all things. And if Jesus says, I'm, I'm here to testify to the truth, that's bigger than everything that you know. That's bigger than every power that you've ever thought of. That's bigger. If Jesus has authority, it's not authority over some kind of human kingdom that's going to come and, and, and compete with Pilate's little power-centered kingdom. No, no. If Jesus has authority, it is because Jesus is the truth, and the truth is over all things. It's over all things. Which brings us to the final question, the final question, the question that the producers of the Jesus films have been waiting for. The deep, dramatic question. This is the Oscar moment, folks. You ready? You with me? You still with me? 
The camera is focusing in. Here's Pontius Pilate. He's looking out the window. The producer says, spray more sweat on the brow. Come on. And then they focus in real deep. And he asks this question, this three-word question. Do you want to say it with me? What? You got to say it deeper than that. Come on. This is your Oscar moment. You ready? This is like to be or not to be. What is truth? What is truth? What is truth? Maybe it's an honest question. Maybe Pilate is really having a philosophical moment. But I think that he just can't understand what truth would have to do with anything. This whole world is about power. If I've got the power, I'll tell you what the truth is. If I've got power over you, then I'll tell you what the truth is, and you'll sit there and take it. You see? That's Pilate's world. Jesus testifies to something different. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. He does say, by the way, which I love, he says, if you want to play that game, we could play that game and I would win. Doesn't he say that? He says, my, my followers, my kingdom, we could come and roll this all over. There's no problem with that. But I've come to do something else. I've come to testify to an eternal kingdom of truth The truth is that Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. The truth is that his kingdom is not of this world. It's a kingdom established by the Son of God. The truth is that all the power of Rome, all the power of the Roman Empire, all the power of any nation, any empire, any time, any season, is is compared to the the kingdom of God is like an ant on the ground. It's like a blade of grass. It's so insignificant compared to the power and authority and eternity and majesty of the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ establishes in truth. What is truth? The truth is Jesus. The truth is Jesus. The people on Palm Sunday, they wanted a Messiah who would would ride in and brandish a sword and establish a kingdom by power and would pull his sword out from from his side and would strike down all the evildoers, right? The Roman occupiers would strike down the evildoers and sinners and establish a kingdom by force. Pilate was used to this sort of a ruler. Pilate was used to this sort of a competition. You can come in that way at me, no problem. But what did Jesus know? Jesus knew, what, that if he came in and struck down all the evildoers and sinners. What? Who would be left? Nobody. Listen to me now. Jesus did not come to slay sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus did not come to destroy evildoers. Jesus came to redeem, to redeem his people, the fallen people who had transgressed God's law. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, not to destroy, to establish an eternal kingdom in truth established by the Son of God. And to do that, to do that, do you understand? To save and redeem instead of to seek and destroy, 
Jesus knew he had to give his life away. We come to the last part of this passage and we meet a man named Barabbas. Barabbas. The name Barabbas, it means son of the father. Did you know that? Barabbas. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Give us Barabbas. Do you see what's happening here? The criminal is set free. And the righteous one goes to prison. Barabbas. Who is he? A murderer, a criminal, a revolutionary? They open the gate for him. And do you think that Barabbas paused at the gate? Don't think so. <laughs> do you think he had questions, you know, for his, for his, uh, his guards? A guard, Barabbas. You're free. Get out of here. Uh, really? Wait a minute, you know? I just need some context here. Why am I set? No. Out like a shot, right? The criminal set free. The righteous one imprisoned. This is it, folks. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus came to do. This is the picture of it right here. The unrighteous is set free and the righteous one is condemned. This is the picture of it. The guilty is, is free to go. The criminal is free to go. And Jesus submits himself to give his very life and to die. Peter wrote to the church later in 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. To do what? Read this with me. To bring you to God. Why did he do it? The unrighteous goes free. The righteous one goes to the cross. You and I, the transgressors, we walk forward. Jesus, he gives his life. The unholy is forgiven. The holy one takes on sin. Why did he do it? To bring you to God. To bring you home. What do you do with Jesus of Nazareth? Three questions. Three questions. Are you the king? Yes, Jesus is the king. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. Two, am I, am I a Jew? Am I one of your people? Am I, do I somehow belong to you? Yes, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you do belong to him. For this very reason, he came and gave his life, that whoever would believe in him and call on his name would have authority to be called children of God, to become part of God's family, to enter into eternal salvation. Who are you, Jesus? Do I belong to you? And what is truth? The truth is that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no authority above or beside. He alone is the Lord. And the truth is that Jesus Christ is a Savior, a friend of sinners, who 
came to seek and to save the lost. And to do that, he knew, he knew he had to give his life. And in truth, Jesus came and in truth, Jesus gave his life for you. What will you do with Jesus? Lord, we thank you for coming and giving your life away to redeem and to save, to seek and save the lost. We pray, Jesus, that you would open our hearts to believe in you, to trust in your message and your truth. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.